May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Please be seated. As the dean already told you, this is my first Sunday preaching from this pulpit, and it's a lot higher than I thought it was going to be. But I, I want to assure you, and maybe to assure myself just a little bit, that there's no pressure here. The fact that Dean Kidd is a renowned scholar on the works of Paul puts no pressure upon me whatsoever. But combine that fact with the fact that I was raised Roman Catholic, you might begin to understand just why I might be just ever so slightly anxious. For those of you who were not raised Roman Catholic, let me try to explain. While I attended eight years of Catholic school, and I was even awarded the Religious Studies Student of the Year Award in the eighth grade, an award that my mother, by the way, was especially proud of, my religious education was not really based in learning scripture verses. I was the sixth of seven children, I did say we were a good Catholic family. As a child growing up, I remember the living room in the house where I was raised. Not the family room where the kids spent most of the time, but the living room, a place where children had to be invited into. It was the place where my parents entertained. I remember the family Bible was displayed there its red leather cover and its colorful ribbons, it was always open. But like the room that it was displayed in, I had to ask permission to even look at it. You see, Catholics, we don't really read the Bible. That's for the professionals. We were instructed in school and from the pulpit what we were to believe. So to say that I became a biblical scholar at an early age would kind of be like comparing, I don't know, a magnifying glass to the Hubble telescope. As an adult, when I did begin to read scriptures, there was always one person in the New Testament that I connected with, someone I felt like I understood and that I thought might actually understand me. In many ways, the disciple Peter was like me. Although he was often favored, sometimes he was just clueless, forever trying to keep his foot out of his mouth. If Peter had been from the South today, people would have made comments about him like, bless his heart. <laughs> Peter struggled. He struggled with his place in the world from upon this rock I will build my church to get behind me, Satan. Peter also struggled within himself from I do not know the man to Jesus, you know that I love you. Peter often found himself living in confusion and in chaos. Well, today, Peter is in good company. If I had to use two words to describe both the gospel and the epistle readings today, I would start by saying confusion and chaos. 
In the gospel reading, even Jesus gives us the impression that he's a bit confused and perhaps even a little frustrated with the people of his generation. It's as if he's asking, what is it that you want? What message would you accept? He compares his generation, especially the Pharisees, with children playing on the playground, unable to agree on what game to play. Do we play music and dance, or do we play some kind of a funeral game? Jesus talks about John the Baptist, who came with a warning, repent for the kingdom of God is near, solemn and sober, dressed in camel's hair. His message was rejected. He has a demon, you accuse. But the Son of Man comes, Jesus says, talking about himself with good news. He comes eating and drinking, making friends, proclaiming salvation to all. And still you reject him, calling him a glutton and a drunkard. What is it that you want? Jesus' generation is confused and chaotic. Perhaps it's not just Jesus' generation that lives in confusion and chaos. It sounds a bit like today's world, doesn't it? Then we turn to Paul's letter to the Romans, and the confusion and the chaos only continue. But instead of finding confusion in the world, Paul finds his confusion and chaos within himself. He knows what he should do. Above and beyond most everybody of his day, Paul knew the law. He was a Pharisee himself and the son of a Pharisee. Paul knew the law, and yet he couldn't bring himself to live according to it. Paul is confused by the battle that rages within his own heart and his mind, the battle between what he wants to do, the person he wants to be, and his own sinful nature that often controls him. Paul struggles too. But God sees Paul's struggle just as he has seen the struggle of all who sought to serve him throughout the history of the Scripture. God understood the struggles of David, of Moses and the Israelites, of Abraham, of Adam and Eve, just as he understands your struggle today. It is why he sent his Son to suffer and to die for us. It is only through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ that we are made righteous. So does that mean that we no longer struggle? If only it were that easy. But I'm afraid that's not the case. To be alive in Christ Jesus means that we struggle each day to be more like him, to be more alive in him. There is a story about a wealthy farmer who went duck hunting one morning. He took his hired hand, Charlie, along with him. But before they reached their favorite hunting spot, the truck had a flat tire. Charlie got out and began to fix the tire. And as he struggled to set it free, his hand slipped and he skinned his knuckles. Reacting to the pain, he muttered a few obscene words. But stopping almost before the words came off, his, off of his lips, he said, Lord, I'm sorry. 
Now the wealthy farmer commented to his hired hand, Charlie, I know that you're a Christian, but I see you struggle so often. I'm an atheist, and to be honest, I don't struggle at all. Tell me why your struggle is so worth it. The young man thought for a moment, not quite knowing what to say. And about that time, two ducks flew overhead. The farmer grabbed his gun and shot both of them. Both hit the ground. One, already dead, didn't move. But the other was only wounded, and it struggled to get away, limping off into the thick grass. The farmer called to Charlie, don't worry about the dead one, go after the wounded one. As Charlie started off, he stopped and he turned around to his boss and he said, I have an answer to your question now. You see that duck over there in the bushes, the one struggling? That's me. But you, you, sir, you are the dead duck. As long as you are struggling, you are alive. The question is, where is it that you look for the answers to your struggle? Do you look to the confused and chaotic world, to the latest diet, the newest self-help book? Do you look for answers in the bottom of a bottle or in another handful of pills? Do you look for answers in this generation's standards of what it means to be wealthy and successful and to have status? Or do you look within yourself for answers, your education, your social status, your own abilities? Do you find your self-worth in diminishing the worth of others? Or do you look to the cross knowing that you can't do it alone, knowing that the struggle is in vain if you have to do it with your own strength? Paul found the answer. Keep reading today's scripture passage. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death, Paul asks, and answers his own question. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul knew that he couldn't do it alone. He hated it, but he knew that he had failed and that he would keep on failing. Paul knew that through Christ, his struggle was not in vain. He knew that it was only through grace, the free gift of grace given to the believer, that struggling believers would be forgiven of their failures and could truly live in this newness of life who is Christ Jesus. So if you're struggling today, you're in good company. Peter struggled. Paul struggled. Look around you. There's not a person sitting in this building this morning that is not struggling. But the struggle means that you are alive. Embrace the struggle. Dare I say, celebrate the struggle. It is that very struggle that draws you closer to Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but when I look back on my own life, I can see that the times that I struggled the most were the times of the, the greatest spiritual growth. Now it's much easier to look back and to see what good has come from your past struggles 
not so much when you're in the middle of them. But in that struggle, you should know and feel that you do not walk alone. Know where to find comfort and rest, where to find forgiveness and peace. Grab hold of the forgiveness of grace offered to you through the cross. Jesus does not promise us a life without struggle, but he does promise that you can, as the scripture tells us this morning, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And when things in your life get particularly tough, just remember, it is those who do not struggle that are the dead ducks. Amen.